Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. No one ever said getting older was easy if you were fortunate enough to do so. But few Americans understand how complicated it can be to take full advantage of the two key entitlement programs we take for granted, Medicare and Social Security. By one estimate, 95% of Medicare recipients overpay for their coverage, and there is evidence that many Social Security recipients are not taking full advantage of that program and are actually leaving money on the table. Our guests this week are devoting most of their careers to changing that equation and helping Americans maximize both sets of benefits. Mary Beth Franklin is contributing editor at Investment News, a leading publication for financial advisors. She is a certified financial planner, an award-winning personal finance journalist, and a recognized expert on Social Security. The revised edition of her ebook, Maximizing Your Social Security Retirement Benefits, came out recently. Katie Vatava is founder and president of GoodCare.com, a healthcare consulting firm for individuals, small businesses, and financial planners. She is a registered nurse with a PhD in health economics and nursing. She is also a regular columnist for Investment News and the author of the ebook Making the Most of Medicare: A Guide for Baby Boomers. Each has discussed these topics on WealthTrack before, but both believe now is an important time to revisit the programs because there have been some significant changes in each. The Trump administration has nothing to do with them. These occurred during the Obama years, but are taking effect now. I began the discussion with the new rules for claiming Social Security. The way to maximize Social Security benefits until recently was to take advantage of some creative claiming strategies. Well, Congress decided to call them loopholes and shut some of them down. A critical one was called file and suspend, which allowed people when they reached full retirement age to file for their Social Security benefits and then effectively say, don't pay me, let my benefits keep growing. But in the meantime, it would trigger a benefit for a spouse or a dependent child. That is now history. But people who were at least 66 years old and filed and suspended by the April 29th, 26th deadline, 2016 deadline, are grandfathered. They can do all the fancy things they could before the law changed. What's going forward is there's still an enormous opportunity for millions of married couples and eligible divorced spouses, meaning they have been married at least 10 years and are now divorced, to take advantage of a strategy calling filing for spousal benefits only. That's the good news. The bad news is you had to be born by January 1st, 1954 or earlier 
to take advantage of that. So that's the magic number, January 1st, 1954, born on or before then. Correct. Then you can, you can file for spousal benefits, right? right? And ex- explain what those spousal benefits so are if and you're what we do. Among that lucky group, mm-hmm. I'll add that my birthday is December 1954, so I can't do this. But if you're a little older than I am, when you turn 66, the magic age, and your spouse is already claiming Social Security benefits or had filed and suspended by the deadline, then you as a spouse could say to Social Security, I want to restrict my claim to spousal benefits, which means give me half of his benefit, give me half of her benefit amount, while my own benefits keep growing by 8% a year, and at 70, I'm going to switch to my own maximum benefit. And you get half of their benefits, even though they're collecting their benefits. You would get half of their full retirement right. age benefit. If your husband had waited till 70 to get this big bump up, you as a spouse, your benefits are still based on half of his age 66 benefit. But it can create an additional fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 over the joint lifetime of a married couple. So it really is significant. Right. And what about for divorced divorcees or divorcees? The, the same rules apply, mm-hmm. that if you were married at least 10 years, are divorced and currently single, and you're born by that magic date of January 1st, 1954 or earlier, when you turn 66, you can claim benefits just as a spouse, just as if you're still married. And divorced people actually have an extra benefit because if you're currently married, only one spouse can claim spousal benefits only. But if you're a divorced couple, you can each claim spousal benefits against each other. It's one of the... I've actually had consumers and advisors write to me and say, is it worth getting divorced? to take advantage of this. And it's really, what are your legal bills going to be? No, it's not worth it. But if you happen to be divorced, it is an added benefit. However, if you were born after January 1st, 1954, you're out of luck. Right. Divorced or married, you can't do this anymore. Right. And the rules for those who are born after January 1st, 1954, what, what rules apply there? Now, whether you're married or divorced, same sex or heterosexual, um, if you are born after January 1st, 1954, you will never be able which, to choose which benefit to get. You will be paid either on your own retirement record or as a spouse, whichever is higher, and you'll be paid the amount that's appropriate for your age when you claim. You will never be able to say, pay me only as a spouse and let my own benefit keep growing. And the one thing that you told me has not changed, the survivor benefits are the same. So what are the survivor That's benefits? That's a, a crucial distinction. Uh-huh. Retirement benefits and survivor benefits are two separate pots of money. So even after all these rule changes, if you are a surviving spouse or a surviving ex-spouse and you also have your own retirement benefit, you are still entitled to choose to claim one type of benefit first, perhaps retirement, and switch to survivor later if that would result in a bigger benefit. Or depending on your circumstances, the opposite may be true. But regardless, you will be able to choose which benefit to receive first. Now, Katie has been sitting here patiently, uh, and you know we're going to talk about Medicare benefits and, and maximizing Medicare benefits. But the two of them, Social Security and Medicare, are essentially joined at the hip. Medicare and Social Security are interrelated in some ways, and in other ways they're not. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it kind of complicated for right. people. 
The way they're attached is you have access to the Medicare benefit through your Social Security credits. Right. And once most people in the United States will be able to get free one part of Medicare, Medicare Part A, the other parts have additional costs. And one of the complicating things in the last few years is that full retirement age has changed. It used to be 65, and now it is 66, and yet Medicare remains at 65. So between that fact and the fact that more and more people are working beyond 65, it's complicated and confusing for people to figure out, do I get into Medicare? Do I not? What are the parts of pieces? What's the Social Security claiming strategy? And that will affect how they can use some of their other opportunities to save for their health care and retirement, specifically health savings accounts. And so it's a complicated mix for right. folks. So, so what is, what's your, the, the most important piece of advice you have? What I really suggest is I tell people to read the Medicare meter when you're 64. Mm -hmm. Because if you're lucky enough to get to 65, one way or another, you have to determine, do I go into Medicare now? If I don't, am I allowed to go in later without a penalty? I say read the meter at 64. 65 is an emotional birthday for people. And you want to determine, am I working or is my spouse working? Will I get coverage through them? Will I have to go into Medicare, any parts or none at all? And then gives you time to do the research yourself. And when you get there, you'll know which way you're going to go and what your choices will be. But don't you have to enroll in Medicare at the age of 65 or thereabouts? <laughs> That's one or? of those great yes, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you do not have to enroll in Medicare when you're 65 if you have other comparable coverage. Right. Many people are working beyond the age of yes. 65 now, and as long as it's through an employer plan from yourself or your spouse, and it's a has a company with 20 or more employees, you, you have the opportunity to defer Medicare enrollment unless you are already doing one of these claiming strategies at 65 or earlier. And if you're taking Social Security retirement benefits of any kind, you have to take at least Medicare Part A. And that's and then, one thing I have to stress, is that people can't believe that once you are collecting Social Security mm -hmm. and you are at least 65, it's mandatory. You must enroll in Medicare A. You don't uh -huh. get a choice in that. Uh -huh. choice. Even if you have great coverage through your nope. employer or it's your mandatory. spouse or whatever. It's mandatory. mandatory. Okay. And then the complicating factor there is that there are more and more high deductible health plans and in those plans, people could have a health savings account. But if you're already in any part of Medicare, even the fee-free Part A, you can no longer contribute new dollars to, an HSA. That, to a health savings account. Right. And so that's why I say give yourself time to look at what the options are and not drop yourself into some what I call Medicare cost sinkhole. Because if you also had a plan that didn't qualify for some reason, you better get in when you're 65. Otherwise, once you're 65 and four months you are past the time to initially enter Medicare without a penalty. And those penalties are lifelong. And you will pay them, and your spouse typically will pay them. I usually see when one member of a couple has made the mistake, both have. So it's 10% per year for every year that you don't have Medicare B. And for D, it's 12% per year. And it's year over year accumulating, and you will pay that for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, there's no cap on that penalty. No. And most people don't know that penalty exists. That is huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, a lot of people come to you, Katie, for advice. And, yeah. and, and that's, that is, that's one of the sinkholes, as you described it, yeah. that you, even with your expertise, cannot get them out of. No, There's no appeal. There's no... There's no appeal to yeah. if you're in a penalty position. But I'll tell you, one of the problems with penalties is not only the cost 
Sometimes the bigger cost is the delay in getting in. Right. You can only enroll in the first quarter of any year and get that coverage in July. So right now, a person who realizes they're in penalty will not have any Medicare coverage until July of next year. If they have big health care costs, that's really going to eat into their retirement nest egg. And that could actually t cost people more than even though that 30% is big. But if you have a big hit on your health, and I hope you don't, but if you do, you're on your own nickel. And, and the enrollment period ends on March 31st of every year? It does, that general enrollment period. Right. And then the coverage begins July 1st of that given year. But that gap can be very costly. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, uh, the other things, Katie, when, when you and I had talked earlier, was that a lot of people don't understand the coverage from COBRA mm. and how that works and how that dovetails yeah. with Medicare. Can you explain yeah. that? People don't understand that when they're working, even if they're beyond 65, the worker coverage can be primary. Once you are in a retirement mode and on COBRA, it is secondary. And I'm always saying, don't let COBRA bite you because it <laughs> will bite you because then you are, should be in Medicare. You have an eight-month window to get in, even during that time when you don't have your Medicare. If you don't have it and you have that big health care bill, you're going to pay 80%. And I see a lot of people who are given well-meaning but mistaken advice right. about Gee, and the term of COBRA is 18 months. Many people think, I'll wait the 18 months. I've had many people come to me after the fact, mm. and it's too late. I can't get them out of it. But if they're planning ahead of time, if you're going into COBRA and you're over 65, be very careful. You need to have those two parts. And as well as if you become 65 when you are in COBRA, you will be dropped right away. And people don't know that and are quite shocked and suddenly scrambling to find coverage for themselves and sometimes for their family. And often it's a well-meaning uh, HR department mm -hmm. head who's yeah. like, oh, you've got COBRA for 18 months. It's not a problem. Yeah. But they don't realize that the Medicare rules are different. Right. And I think you see this where you might have one spouse who's 65, sometimes. but the other spouse is younger, so mm -hmm. they need the COBRA to cover the other spouse. Right, they might. And, and they get tripped up in the Medicare rules. And what I tell people, because they will tell me very assuredly that that's not how it is, I always tell people get it in writing. And the place for a consumer to go is to get their health insurance plan document. That's a document that could be 80 or 130 pages. It comes usually in a PDF, and you read it. And guess what? It's really written usually pretty clearly about what happens when you leave the company, and that's where it will tell you. And if someone tells you something, great, but get it in writing. You can go right to that table of contents, mm -hmm. and it will say how the insurance interacts with Medicare. Mm -hmm. You can go right to that page and it's pretty clear. The, the other thing, again, where, where Social Security and Medicare are, are very much interrelated are taxes. Mm. And there are big changes in taxes that, again, occurred in the previous administration but are, have hit and are going to hit even more in 2018. What's going to happen next year are the brackets that determine people's Medicare B premiums are going to change, and I say compress. Medicare B, we already pay a premium for, and people who are higher income will pay an additional surcharge. It's technically called an income-related monthly adjustment mm -hmm. amount. That's a mouthful. They will pay a surcharge for the Medicare B and uh, above and beyond for Medicare Part D. And, and, and the, the cutoff points now, now are? Are $170,000 for a couple filing, married filing jointly, $85,000 right. for a single individual. But... It's a five-tier bracket, and the upper three tiers are going to start kicking earlier. Mm -hmm. More people are going to pay more money out of their, whether they're paying directly or out of their Social Security check for their Medicare coverage, and people don't even know about it. But there are things they can do now and next year 
to position themselves better in the future for limiting their exposure, and sometimes that's possible. And even if it isn't possible with your portfolio rearrangement, just know what your price is going to be, and it's going to be it's going to be a huge sticker shock for people. So, so, so the, this, the right now, mm-hmm. the eighty-five thousand if you're single, mm-hmm. and one hundred and seventy thousand for a couple filing jointly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that's going to move up to what? What? What is the higher tax rate going to be? You're, you're going to be moved into a higher income tax bracket. The people who without are, even a changing your income, without even right? a change in your income, that that first bracket with one hundred and seventy or 85k will not change. It's the second bracket where the top of it will come down. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's two hundred thirteen thousand, and it's and that's where it starts. But the top of that bracket is going to come down to two hundred sixty-seven thousand, and now it's over three hundred thousand. So once people are in that area, more people are going to pay more in their Medicare surcharges in twenty eighteen, and you have mm-hmm. to realize it's based on a tax return from two years before. So it'll be the 2016 tax return. The people that people are working on that right now. But the opportunity for people then is you can't do much to change 2016. Right. But you can change 2017 with some of these things that will be giving people cash flow outside of the modified adjusted gross income calculation that that Medicare uses. I think consumers and people who work with their financial advisors are going to become um, more aware going forward mm-hmm. of w- what you make in retirement and what you keep are going mm-hmm. to be two very different mm-hmm. things between mm-hmm. what you're paying for health care and what you're paying mm-hmm. out in taxes. Mm-hmm. And because we were all lulled into this idea during our working careers of saving money in our tax-deductible 401ks mm-hmm. and our tax-deductible IRAs, whatever, that was great because we saved money while we were working. Well, when we retire, every penny that comes out of those retirement accounts are taxed tax. at your ordinary income tax rate. And the irony is a lot of retirees love to invest in muni bonds because they're tax-free. Mm-hmm. Except when it comes to paying for Medicare, that muni bond interest is added back into your income. So there's going to be opportunities going forward, I think, mm-hmm. for people to perhaps start converting some traditional retirement accounts into Roth IRAs, Mm -hmm. which would Mm -hmm. be tax-free going forward. Mm -hmm. I predict there's going to be um, a huge boom in reverse mortgages in the Mm -hmm. future because the rules have changed, the consumer protections have increased, and any money that comes out of a reverse mortgage is tax-free. Wow. Retirees are going to look for ways to create more income in retirement that's tax-free. Mm-hmm. And annuities, Katie. I think you had mentioned that. T- talk about annuity income, too. A couple of the other areas where people right. might consider moving some of their investments around are life insurance and annuities, that some of those proceeds, and the proceeds has to be taking back out principal, not interest, but those type of things do not go into the modified adjusted gross income calculation and therefore are outside of consideration there. Another place where people could get money from for their retirement and health care costs are health savings accounts. Right. Those dollars do not go through the calculation at all. So there are more and more things that people can do, but it, it's too late by the time you're in that higher bracket. You've got to look ahead and say, oh, wow, this is coming, and this is what I can do. And, and I find a lot of people already who are going to bump themselves up $1 into the next bracket, and they're going to spend another $1,000 a person in premium. Well, if you can't avoid it 
okay, at least know that's what's going to happen. But there are ways that people can, for example, the reverse mortgage. Right, right. That's the mm -hmm. Home Equity Conversion Mortgage, HECN, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. is what the uh, reverse mortgages mm -hmm. are called. Uh -huh. And that's one option that's in the reverse mortgages that wasn't there before. And so rather than taking money out of an IRA, if you don't have to that year, take some money out of that um, particular line of credit, right. and it won't affect your, your income that way. Now, right. another option, which would only apply to people who are at least 70 and a half years old and now mm -hmm. have to start tapping their required minimum distributions mm -hmm. from their retirement account, there is now a permanent provision in the tax law that says you can direct some or all of your required minimum distribution up to $100,000 directly to a charity. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you don't get a charitable deduction, but it's money that is not added to your gross income on your tax return. Mm -hmm. right. So if you're at that 70 and a half plus and you're charity minded and you know that, gee, if another thousand dollars is going to bump me into a higher Medicare bracket, mm -hmm. make that charitable contribution directly from your IRA to the charity. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that both investors and their financial advisors are really going to have to be cognizant of right. going forward. And as mm -hmm. Katie pointing out, the challenge is uh, the year is already closed for you to affect the 2018 premiums because it's always based on the last available tax return. Whatever you do in 2017 17. will affect your 2019 right. Medicare premiums. Right. Now so there, do whatever you can do when you can do, you can do, do it. But there are right. opportunities even when people have a certain change of status. This is a place that I find people are leaving money on Medicare's table. If you have certain change of circumstance that would happen, uh, if people have retired and no longer have that income, there's been a, a death or, of a spouse or mm -hmm. they've gotten married or a few other things, when you get that notice, which folks do in the fall of this year for 2018, if one of those five criteria pertain to them and have had a change in life circumstance, if they respond to that notice within 60 days, most people will get the reconsideration right away uh -huh. and then not have to pay that higher premium next year. Right, so but pay I've, attention to that. Pay yeah. attention to that notice. People, it, they get scared when they read it. I think it's pretty straightforward. I bet Mary Beth does too, but they get scared of it. Well, and for, for you two approach. So we're going to have to, unfortunately, I've got to move on to the, the one investment for uh -huh. a long-term diversified portfolio. So let me ask each of you, this conversation could go on for a very long time, yes. which is why I would love to have you two back again, because there is a great deal to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, but Mary Beth, what would your one investment be for a long-term diversified portfolio? I would say invest your time in figuring out what your Social Security claiming strategy should be. There are a lot of good commercial sites that you would pay for. One of them is Social Security Solutions. Another is called Social Security Advisors. For a fee, they will help you pick the best claiming strategy for you. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, for an additional fee, they will actually file online for your benefit. I encourage people to file for Social Security benefits online it's clean, it's easy, and less prone to error. And Katie, what would yours be, the one investment? My suggestion is a way to invest, and that's a health savings account. For folks who are eligible to have one, which is you have to have a high deductible health plan, and you cannot be on Medicare, but then you can put tax-free dollars in. I call it the hat trick of investing. The money goes in tax-free, it comes out tax-free, and it grows tax-free. And more and more, there are custodians of the health savings accounts that have really, what I'll say, robust 
variety of ways for people to invest. Because as you make money in those mutual funds or some of the bonds and stocks and so on, that money grows tax-free. And you can use it in retirement for your health care costs and use it for most Medicare premiums. And when people are, that's their number one or two cost in retirement, that money also bypasses the Medicare calculation. So it's a way to invest if it's an opportunity for you. So how great to have the two of you here. So Katie Botava and Mary Beth Franklin, thank you so much for joining us on Wealth Track. Thank you. Thanks. At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is make sure you are well informed about both Social Security and Medicare benefits. If you are not yet eligible, give yourself some time to get educated ahead of time. If you are already collecting, review your and your spouse's benefits to make sure they are the best for you. Notify Medicare and Social Security in a timely fashion if there is a change of circumstances, such as an illness, divorce, or death of a spouse, to get your benefits up to date. Both Franklin and Votaba explained how complex the two programs can be and commented on how much misinformation there is out there. We will provide links to the best sources of information on our website. Well, next week on Wealth Track, we will sit down for a rare interview with David Wallach, longtime portfolio manager of T. Rowe Price's Midcap Value Fund and Morningstar's 2016 Domestic Stock Fund Manager of the Year. For more information on resources for Medicare and Social Security benefits, please visit this episode page on our website, wealthtrack.com. Also, feel free to ask us questions on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairholme Foundation.